Hey folks, welcome to the A stream. So what? The A stream. Not the A team. No, that's different. What's the A stream? Uh, it's a stream of answers to oh. questions that are being posed by our audience. This is the second half of the Dark Horse podcast live stream number 176 with me, Dr. Brett Weinstein, you, Dr. Heather Hying. Indeed, now live only on Rumble. We are now rumbling. Yes. Um, yes, although you might actually be listening to this or watching this on Spotify, but later, not as we speak, whereas you might be listening to us right now on Rumble. You may be listening wherever we are on Rumble. Doesn't make any sense. No, it no, doesn't. We're on San Juan Island. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's where we these are. Things happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to start with we're going to make this short and sweet today. Uh, we're going to try anyway. Um, we are going to start with a question from the Discord uh, server. A discordant question. No, it's not like that. It's probably spelled differently. It's spelled weird, isn't it? Discordant might be in reference to like a musical chord. In which, case it's spelled, in, in which case yeah. it probably would be spelled differently, although I'm not sure it is. There would be an H in there. Oh, I've now gotten myself involved yeah, I mean, in this, a spelling conversation well, yeah, which I'm yeah, not well, qualified that, that, to yeah, contribute. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why we're going there. Okay. Like, um, from the Discord this week, they want to ask us this question. Oh, they also said there's a bunch of meetups happening. Um, there's, there's happenings... Excuse me, now on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and all sorts of good stuff. So um, that's, that's awesome. That is, we love it that that uh, our uh, our audience uh, meets. Yeah, it's totally awesome. Yeah. Okay, question. You both contend that trans is a naturally occurring phenomenon with historical regional precedents. Given the likely link with endocrine disruptors, what are your thoughts on those instances being localized due to environmental factors such as comparable compounds in diet that some individuals are more sensitive to? This is a brilliantly incisive and uh, and written question. I think um, I think this is highly likely for some percentage of. Uh, cases of transness and i suspect and there just doesn't seem to be very good data on this there's you know i've written about this some but there's one of the things that the trans rights activists like to claim is like oh you know there's so much transness recognized in all these other cultures like two-spirit you know in native american cultures it's just all over the place and you go you go looking and you find that two-spirit is actually a, a modern term that was invented in, I can't remember, it's in one of my substacks. It's like 1990s at a conference, uh, and it refers to some things that are known in a few very rare cultures. And what I, what I predict is that... Uh, trans to the degree that it has been uh, understood and common enough to be recognized within cultures before now has in fact been highly local uh, in uh, at least space and probably even to some degree time and that that will have some particular set of explanations one of which may be uh, endocrine disruption or or developmental disruption uh, due to local terroir or water or I don't know what else. Uh, I'm, I'm with you to a point. I don't believe that the historical examples are likely to be uh, disruptions due to environmental perturbations that are negative. It may be that all of the modern phenomenon is the result of disruptions. In other words, you have some system that um, has this unusual uh, pressure release valve for whatever reason that comes into play in certain circumstances. Again, rarely. In some cultures, it's concentrated. In some, it's much more rare. And then you have total chaos with respect to the inputs to our system, both chemically and socially and informationally, and it triggers the arbitrary uh, manifestation of some pattern that may not even be the same pattern. It may just look like it, 
right? Or it may be that there's some pattern, you know, that dysphoria is dysfunction and some explanation with uh, real, ancient, but rare roots is the thing that we analogize it to in order to just explain what it is. Um, so I'm not arguing that any of the modern phenomenon is necessarily the same as the ancient phenomenon, but if the ancient phenomenon were the result of disruption, let's say endocrine uh, modifiers in the soil or whatever, you would expect selection to correct it pretty quickly because the evolutionary cost, if it is not functioning as a feature, the evolutionary cost of disrupting something as fundamental as your role in the reproductive mode of your culture is huge. This is true. Um, I, I mean, it may, it may be that we're going to struggle over the word disruption here, yep. uh, that it seems to me that trans, historic trans, ha inherently involves a disconnect of some sort, a disconnect and I, I think I'm comfortable using the word disruption um, between, or like a decoherence between all the systems that normally go in the same direction. And, uh, you know, to the degree that we are, you know, we are mammals, and therefore we have a system of sex determination that is called genetic, although it's really chromosomal. So we have GSD, we have genetic sex determination. Uh, which in almost all mammals, except for the echidnas and the duckbill platypus, involves two sex chromosomes. Everyone knows this. Birds have a separate evolution of genetic sex determination. Um, but in all mammals, we have you know XX and XY. And it's not that uh, XX is the definition of femaleness, right? That is the determination of what sex you are, right? And the determination of what sex you are, being female or male, is about gametes. We've talked about this over and over and over again, and there's lots of people willing, willfully being confused about this. San Francisco Chronicle posted an op-ed this week that was insane. Um, but... Post-op-ed. No, I don't know. I, I think it was a they-them. I don't even think... Ugh. Oh. Like a PhD, supposedly, you know, he was like authority wielding, like PhD in something relevant. Oh, and well, PhD, I know. he must know what he's I talking I know, about. and he called it, you know, the reductionist definition of sex with gametes. Like, oh, people. Oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get it. Small brain, small gameted. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yes, this they, them has small gametes, it looks like. Yeah. Um, Genetic sex determination just refers to how how your sex is determined. It's not what your sex is. But then what your sex is, which is, again, female, large, sessile gametes, male, small, mobile gametes, there's all this stuff downstream of that, which are generally in sync with that thing, right? So, you know, your anatomy and your physiology and your endocrinology and stuff about the way your brain is wired and your behavior and your interests and this, that, you know, all of these things, right, will tend to go this way, although the more culturally informed and the longer period during which you can be informed, either, you know, chemically or biologically or culturally, the less true to the, the actual sex that you are, um, those other renderings of your sex are, are going to be. So if you really really feel in your brain that you are not the sex that you are and that the way to live, the only way that you can peaceably and successfully and productively live your life is as the sex that you are not, something has gone wrong. And there, you know, we, we, have, we have known a few such people and they are living successfully. Um, presenting to the world as the sex that they are not. Uh, but it isn't a system in which everything went smoothly. Um, I, I disagree with this. I believe that we do have examples in which a culture 
has co-evolved with a whatever the physiological mechanism is where we see coherence between these things right where a between, culture between what things between people who are living as if they were born into the other sex and a culture that accepts this and has a mechanism for it has words for it and all of that so to say that it is a dysfunction i believe is incorrect in those cases which doesn't mean that the modern version isn't all a dysfunction well the modern version is largely social contagion which is different yeah. i don't i don't think most of what's passing for trans right now is actually a dysfunction Agreed. at the no. same level um but i actually I am no longer compelled. I, I would like to see the examples of those cultures because those those stories get trotted out without any background. And when I went looking most recently, I ended up in this this like cauldron of like of two spirit stuff. Yeah. Which is where a lot of you know, oh, it's oh, it's lots of Native American cultures have this thing where there's like a role that you get to play and uh and it's you know it's not the role that you are, the the, the sex you are. And uh I'm not telling you that I know that those things don't exist, that those cultures don't exist, but I have yet to find the anthropological or even like you know uh compelling popular accounts of those other cultures. So my suspicion at this point, and you know, you were saying in the, in the first live stream that you apparently Megan Kelly is like, just pushed to the edge. It's like, I'm not, I'm not no, doing this anymore. I, I, right. So my suspicion at this point is uh, that whenever I hear these stories, just like, Oh, well, if you don't let your kid transition, he's going to kill himself. Like, stop that. Right. Like, stop it. That's not okay. Yeah, but, and so I, I wonder about these stories because as far as I can tell, they're not ever backed up with actual cultural evidence. Well, A, I don't think that's true. I think the thing you're talking but do you, about... I mean, do you know what yeah, cultures? The, the Kuna, for example. Um, so I'm not claiming. There, there are lots of... I mean, I've, I've, I've visited the Kuna. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe they keep it to themselves. Do they... I don't... Are you sure? We'll have to... We can dig. If your real point is there is no such thing that... You're talking about the Kuna stand, in Panama. Yeah, that stands up to scrutiny. That would be interesting. I don't think it's the case. I think there are uh, numerous cases. I don't think it is the case that all cultures have this, which is a claim that some make. Yeah, um, that's that's a weak... I don't think almost I, anyone makes I that claim at this point. The, I think you are correctly detecting the amount of bullshit on this channel is huge. The amount of pressure to discover some sort of ancient legitimizing this that and the other is huge right and that correctly raises your skepticism i think your skepticism is now that there is no such pattern until modernity which i don't believe is correct i believe we do have cases in which cultures have ancient uh I don't, maybe trans is the wrong term well but. so my position now is i've gone looking i don't find it it's now on you know, you in this case or Fair anyone enough. else, like you now need to deliver the receipts. Like I, I've, I've gone looking, I don't find it. So I am tired of taking on faith. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh, well, of course there's the cults. Like, That's a totally, like totally... no, the default assumption is, is no, there are not. And therefore you have to provide the evidence. Okay. But I still, yes, I think it's a fair challenge. Um, but I still think this doesn't go to the, let's say it's dysfunction. Okay. Let's say that there's no evidence for any historical whatever, okay? There still are people who are truly disrupted in this way, okay? Yes. Truly disrupted in this way because of something that happened to them developmentally, which presumably they did not choose. Yes. Okay? So those people are in a separate category from the people who are using of course. this as an excuse to reorganize civilization. And this is why I insist on using the term true trans, although you know, right. I antagonize some number of... Uh, you know, feminists and, you know, people who are fighting for reality who are saying there's nothing. I'm like, no, you know, there are, there are people who are honestly disrupted or not, who, who live their best lives presenting as the sex they are not. And uh, when that is, when that is rare and when it is, um, one of the problems now is that it's become the celebrated position, right? So 
here, here's something I found this week. Um, go ahead and put up my screen. Okay. San Francisco Chronicle. I am though. Still no? Yeah, I, I haven't changed anything over oh, here. Unplug it and plug it back in. Um, San Francisco Chronicle this week. You see it? Okay. Uh, California girls face anti-trans attacks as they head to track championship. Well, these aren't girls. Mm -hmm. These aren't girls. Uh, and uh, two high school girls, one from the Bay Area, have come under attack, much of it online and vicious, for qualifying for this weekend's California State Track and Field Championships. Enough already. Enough. Yeah. Not girls. No. And that was actually a different San Francisco Chronicle piece than I was intending to share. It's this one. Okay, so uh, go ahead and show this. Pro wrestler Giselle Shaw ready to come out as trans. I'm taking my power back. Okay. Um, just check out the first paragraph on this piece. So this is from June 24th, 2022. Coming out as transgender as an adult, never easy. Coming out as a transgender woman when you're someone with a public profile, harder still. Coming out as a transgender athlete in 2022 in the United States in today's political climate, that's a test of strength that might intimidate any trans person coming to terms with a decision to come out, even during Pride season. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Bullshit across the fucking board, right? Of course. Like, everything about this is reversed. This is, this is a dude, a wrestler, who's declared himself a woman and now gets to beat up on women because that's what he's always wanted to do. And the San Francisco fucking Chronicle, sorry, but the San Francisco fucking Chronicle is celebrating him as doing this courageous and hard thing because now he has to beat up on women publicly. Well, but you know. If, what the hell? If his authentic like, self is beating up on women, I mean, you certainly wouldn't want to prevent him from reaching his, I don't know. Whatever, but so so. I mean, there's it's this reversal, right? Of, of course, like this has now become the thing that you do in order to increase your fame, like in order to. And if you if you are a dude and you get to now be a trans woman, well, bonus to you because now you get to cheat your way to all sorts of top events. All right, all right, all right. But I I know that's not you've got you. you, you I know that you don't approve of that. You've got. A bunch of despicable parasites who are engaged in the most absurd and public act of misogyny conceivable, right? And they are parasitizing a group of people who actually do face something pretty rotten. Yes. Right? And in my opinion, actually, a bunch of responsibility falls on people who are truly in this category to say, actually, those people aren't us, right? And they get attacked. They get pilloried. I know they do. I, I, I know I, they I, do. I know, but... I know one person who has tried to do this, and uh, oh, she's just, she's she's attacked. Right. She's but attacked. I think, you know, look, you and I have been attacked too, okay? Mm -hmm. We have been attacked over doing exactly what we train to do in the public health space, okay? You and I trained to do science and Public health came at us with a bunch of nonsense, and mm -hmm. we did science and paid a high price, but mm -hmm. we're still on our feet, yep. okay? My point, and I made this point on Twitter, more or less, this week, mm -hmm. when I basically said, hey, trans people, there are a bunch of people mm -hmm. doing something in your name, yep. and they are jeopardizing women, gay men, lesbians, and children. Children. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got a bunch of them responded and they're like yes we understand this is a serious problem right so anyway i think my point is those people who actually face this and are not part of this misogynistic insanity mm -hmm. they need to step up it's not going to be fun but they need to join those of us on team reality right yep and team reality is going to have to be a bit agnostic about what it is that causes the modern transsexual phenomenon and maybe the distinction maybe maybe you know as buck angel has effectively led on this you know he uses the term transsexual right i think he just doesn't use the word trans anymore because it has become this parasitized yeah i don't i don't and i insist on um on the piece that was uh 
uh, published in the anthology Iconoclasts, um, I argue, and I'm, this is important to me, there is no such thing as a human transsexual. We can't do that. Well, but here's the thing. I don't, it depends what transsexual means, right? If transsexual means somebody who is living as the sex that they weren't born in, then it's fine. And I think the problem is, in some sense, I wonder if the term... So I would insist on saying living as the sex they are not. Not living as the sex they were born to, because that is just a shade from living as the sex they were assigned at birth. No, You it's, can't actually change no. your sex. If you say somebody was born into a sex and they are living as the other sex... The other I don't sex. believe, but and so that's why I said living as a sex they are not, um, not living as a sex they were born in. Well, I think living in is living as is pretty clear that this is not the physical reality of the situation. This is a choice, right? But um, nonetheless, I think a bunch of things have been snuck by us, right? The idea yep. trans, right? Trans is, you know, it's a clever shortening, but the point is one could take it to mean, oh, I have transitioned. I was X, now I am Y, mm -hmm. right? That's not what happened, right? Frankly, it would be lovely if there were nobody using this category, nobody weaponizing it against reason. But in light of the fact that there are people weaponizing it, we can't afford to shorten it. We have to be perfectly clear about what this is and what it isn't. Right, in order that no kids get hurt, for example. Right. Yes. So, anyway, I, I'm I'm up for doing that, mm -hmm. and I do again. I'm putting the responsibility on people who actually find themselves trans and are not using this as a weapon. Right. Those people, as frightening as it is, you know, most of them didn't volunteer for anything public. Right. But. If that's where you find yourself and you've got a bunch of parasites pretending to be in the category that you're in in order to hurt other people, mm -hmm. you need to stand up and say, hey, that's not what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. in fact, I want no responsibility for those people, right? Those are misogynists. They are doing something terrible and they are doing it in my name and I'm going to remove my name from their, their plan, right? So anyway, I think that's where we should be. And then we can talk about the nuances. Is this really an ancient thing? Even if it's an ancient thing, is the new version of it a endocrine disruptor triggered version of something somewhat related or maybe even not related to the mm -hmm. ancient thing? Um, all of those questions are on the table and they're all interesting and they're all important. I mean, if it's an endocrine disruption problem, then one question, as with all of the other places where we are hurting people developmentally and refusing to solve the problem so that one generation after another faces the same thing. If it's a disruption issue, the question is, what are the disruptors? Are they things we have control over? Can we not inflict this problem on people, right? At the very least, it should be clear to everyone that it is better if you are, if you feel the sex that you are born into, right? That is the best case. And so to the extent that there are people who don't find themselves in that situation, it would be great if we could stop making more people in that awkward position. Yeah, but I, so we could go on about this forever. Um, the last thing that you said, it would be better, be easier for everyone if they felt the sex they were born into. But that raises the question and I'm certainly not the first person to, to think this way, but this whole concept of gender identity is an utter fabrication. And it reminds me of the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about identity versus meaning, how, you know, when we were coming of age, I understood what I was doing to be looking for meaning. And I wasn't trying to figure out like, yeah, sure, who I am, but like the identity, like what are the words for the things that I am? That was never part right. of it. And this feels like a reversal and a narcissism and a turning inward oh, yeah. and a, you know, all of this. And, you know, I, and I, and I've said like, yeah, I was a tomboy, all of this. Um, but I never thought I was a boy, but I don't remember ever thinking I was a girl either. Right. Like I, I, I didn't, identify as being a girl. I didn't need to. I was a girl, right? right? I didn't, you know, certainly, um, I was going to say metamorphosis, adolescence. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little metamorphic for humans, but not really. Um, but, you know, it's, it, a lot of changes happen, right? And there's no, didn't, well, I was going to say there's no denying it, but <laughs> you can halt it with <laughs> Apparently stuff. there's a lot of denying that can happen. Uh, but still, 
it, it wasn't like, oh, you know, now I, now I'm identifying as a woman. Like, no, right? Not, no, that's not that's not what it is. So I don't I don't understand actually even the premise of like, well, it would be great if everyone, you know, felt like the sex that they are or identifies. Like, actually, no. Like, can we get beyond ourselves? Can we get over our stupid narcissism? Stop being like, the thing that's most important is if I think of myself as a boy or a girl, like, no, it doesn't matter at all, actually, because you just are. Like, you know what? You can take this one off your to-do list. <laughs> like, like that one you could just scratch yeah. right off because it doesn't matter what you think you are. You just are a thing. Right. And like, get on with your life and then you be you. Like, like be whatever you want to be. And if you've got the skills and the interests and they are stereotypically, traditionally, the sex that you're not, who cares? It's okay. Like we live in that world now. You can be any number of things, no matter what sex you are. Spending time thinking about, oh, well, which, what do I feel like? It's, it matters not a bit, not a bit to and it shouldn't matter to anyone. And it's a waste of everyone's time who's being dragged into this. And it's destroying people. Okay. Like, also. I agree with that. I you do think I, they should take it off their to-do list. I agree. And it's a great line, by the way. Um, I would also point out that we have done work, which is probably for the best, but was certainly dangerous, where we have taken all of the normal... Um, constraints around what your sex is supposed to do in the world and throwing them out, right? Mm -hmm. There's only a few of these things that remain, right? Mm -hmm. So what that means is if you weren't comfortable with the role that was being inflicted on you as if that was viewed in 1850, good news, right? The constraints are almost entirely gone. So mm -hmm. whatever it is that you couldn't live with in 1850, you could probably live with now because you're welcome to do pretty much whatever you want, right? So there should be a lot less of this because the dysphoria that comes from, but I want to do, right. you know, I want to work in the mill and I'm a girl, yes. right? I don't want to have to pretend to be a man in order to do the creative work that I right. am passionate about doing. Great. Great news. You don't have to. Great. You don't need a pen name. You yes. can write under your own name. You yep. can work at the mill. You can do almost whatever you want, mm -hmm. right? So that's great. And it should reduce the number of people who can't stand the constraints of the role they're born into because there are very few. Yeah. That said, there aren't zero. Yeah, that's right? true. There aren't zero. And so all I'm saying and that's, is... You know, like also, you know, if you're five, six, you're not going to the NBA. Right, like there, you know. Oh, right. We, there, there, there's some things that are uh, true about you that are going to limit what you can do in life. Right, get used to it. But they are very. Let's suppose that you, you just, you can't live with the fact it, that you're not a platypus, duck build or otherwise. I mean, the trans speciesists are out there. You know they of are. Of course they are. And the furry thing is out there, right? Which is, of course, a weird sexual fetish thing. Maybe it's something beyond that. Maybe it isn't. But, yeah. Um, but the point is, look, there's a lot of people stuck with constraints, whether it's your 5'5 and not going to the NBA or you, you know. I just want to be a monetary. Yeah, bad just roll of the dice. just want to lay eggs and have a bill. Right. Have a bill. <laughs> <laughs> swim around and burrow into the bank, Be right? Poisonous spurs. Yeah, spurs, yeah. right. The whole thing, yeah. right? So the point is, look, I mean, you know, I just, I feel that I'm not an earthling. There are planets. I feel the same way about you sometimes. <laughs> oh, stepped into that one, didn't I? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but the point is, look, you're stuck with nothing but constraints. And yes. mostly we don't rail yeah. against them, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, the railing against them is you know maybe partly based on some ancient stuff and partly based on the fact that oh there are people who are unhappy with their physiology well we just Celebrate happen them. to have a medical science company and we could come up with mm -hmm. some stuff and some science and we've got a whole month for them <laughs> yeah it's um it's uh Arma homecoming month. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Zachary, who is glad that you're not a platypus because he wouldn't exist if you were. Right. Uh, well, I have something to say. Well, it was from a few minutes ago when you were talking, Mom. I don't believe I said this on the podcast last week. I think I only said it to you separately. But as someone who's recently been in school, in the school system now, yeah. um, it is 
like I, I didn't realize that this was not normal or this didn't make sense but everything in schooling now is about identity like it's all administrators and teachers are always talking about like these mm -hmm. are the years that you're discovering who you are and here's how we're going to help you do that and none of it's about like you know learn skills you know you're in school learn skills and improve yourself as a person and build yourself into someone who you you know should be proud of right it's all like discover who you are discover your identity there's a lot the identity must have been said like in every classroom every day um which i didn't realize wasn't normal but and this was a super fancy school too oh yeah no mm -hmm. they should have known better um they didn't <laughs> but just going off of what you were saying about identity now and when you were growing up it, this is everywhere and i didn't realize that that was abnormal certainly no one else did so yeah you're swimming in the identity waters I yeah. think I think Paul Simon nailed this one in what would it be? Nineteen seventy three? What's the which song are we what? Kodachrome. Mm -hmm. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school. <laughs> it's a wonder I can't think at all. <laughs> Always love that one. That's really good. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, great. All right. Okay, um, question. Yes. This is the A stream, after all. We're going to need the Qs in order to get to the stream of As. We've only got one A, and that is not a stream. No, well, it was, it was good, actually. We could probably stop there. and We're not going to. We're going to get to some of your questions here, some of the rest of your questions. Please discuss your recent promotional video. Specifically, was Brett's Are You Ready to Rumble completely unscripted, and was Heather's reaction truly spontaneous? I can only answer my part of that. I had no idea that was coming. <laughs> and as soon as he said it, it's like, oh, obviously. But no, I had no idea that was coming. Yeah. And the whole thing, like this, the part that was scripted was like the script was good, but the whole thing was a little bit like automaton, like not great. But that line at the end, yeah, totally took me by well, surprise. Well, yeah, it, it was spontaneous. And I think what made it so funny was that <laughs> we were kind of dealing with a cobbled together situation here. And, you know, we... Like reading? Um, yes, we were reading somewhere that's whatever. not near the camera. And so it was all very stilted. And Heather and I were both feeling like, oh, we're getting close to the end of the script. All we got to do is not fuck it up and we're going to get to the end of the script. And then we both knew we had gotten there and I went one step farther and it came Thank apart. God. But anyway, but yes, it was it was spontaneous. Yeah. Yep. yep. You have something to add? I don't think anything important. Okay. Lost. Yeah. So Zach's got the outtakes. He's got the bloopers. Yes, we can release. There's no, we are full burning video the bloopers. <laughs> Lots of bloopers from that take. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you think about using steroids? I was recently prescribed methylprednisone, and after looking at it closely, decided not to use it. Um, yeah, I assume that methylprednisone is the same thing that we have had in the past that we just called prednisone. Um, back a long time ago, both you and I have been, had been on prednisone when we had bad cases of poison oak. Uh, and um, it struck me as, and this is this is when I was still taking Cipro and you know just less concerned about a lot of these things. Still, you know carefully like eating real food and not taking things that didn't seem necessary but a really bad case of poison oak is really quite something and uh i think i was on it twice maybe three times prednisone and boy that stuff's powerful yeah. i got takes care of the inflammation right away and um yeah uh it does it it fills you with all sorts of crazy energy and um my sense was this can't be safe. Yeah. Like, it does not feel safe. I have not looked back into it except, I mean, it, presumably it's a catabolic steroid, which means, um, you know, it builds, it builds tissue, specifically muscle mass, as opposed to, uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It's an anabolic steroid as opposed to a catabolic steroid. Um, my little mnemonic is cats destroy things. <laughs> Wherever would you have gotten that idea? <laughs> God, um, where are those guys? They're probably off destroying something. Um, uh, and so, you know, you're getting, you're getting an exogenous 
molecule that's going to help you build a lot of stuff fast and there's going to be a a fall from grace when you're done with that. You know, there's a reason that unlike a lot of drugs, uh, you have to wean yourself off that slowly. Yeah, like they taper. don't just drop you off. They, they, they taper you off. It's been decades, I think. Uh, so and I have not looked yeah. back into it, but I, I would be very, I think there are, there are situations where you would want it. Um, but I would be very sparing. Yeah. I, would be. I mean, if, if you could not take it and deal and you could deal with whatever it was you were prescribed it for, that's better. Just like, you know, just what, like what these guys are saying. Wow. <laughs> um, where there is no doctor. Like, you know, if, if you can do it without medication, do it without medication. Uh, I think I had it more times than you did because back then I used to have uh, chronic susceptibility to lung infections. Mm. Um, which, which is probably I, about the wheat. I now know it yeah. was about the inflammation that was being caused by the wheat. But mm -hmm. before I knew that, this just happened to me, and prednisone was one of the things yeah. that they would prescribe. Um, it is very powerful stuff. I had the sense it's pretty disruptive. That's why the taper dose. I know that there are some concerns about bone density on mm. long-term use. Yep. yep. Uh, but anyway, I would say, yeah, there are... Uh, I would... I would assume that the harms are greater than medicine knows. Yeah. And I would say if you've got a critical short-term issue, that's one thing. Yeah. It might be worth it if you factor in what, what's the worst that could be true about what the long-term implications of short-term exposure are. Um, and, you know, the short-term implications of, you know, bad case of poison oak, for example, are pretty severe. It's pretty life-compromising. And yep. um, so would you be willing to, you know, gamble on a little reduction in physiological well-being over a lifetime to deal with the critical uh, issue of, of uh, poison oak, uh, it depends, you know, yeah, you've got a little poison oak on your arm, probably not. Yeah, but if it's like right near, near yeah. your sense organs, your eye, like, you know, what kind of damage are you going to do to yourself being miserable with it, or could it do to you if it gets into critical systems that it really has no place in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, caution would be the... Uh, approach yeah. yeah um but but um and i just you know i don't know what you know what all is out there now uh but caution but i would probably prefer that to a drug developed in the last year for which uh there was not much or you know this is the fda well, had approved suppose, <laughs> suppose they had suppose they had really good evidence that it was sort of not that much worse than some other generic drug that had been on the market for a long time and was quite safe oh well then i probably prefer the new thing because new is better new is better even if it's just not even that much worse even if it didn't hit their not that much worse target and i guess even if it meant not buying groceries for the month because uh, we couldn't really afford it i would still go with new because new is better yeah yeah new is better and you know there's stuff to eat in the forest, so, you know, groceries aren't everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And if you're not on the steroids, you probably don't have the enhanced appetite, so maybe you just don't need to eat. There's that. Of course, if you are on the steroids, you could just grab it. Just deal. power through. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, regarding the AI podcast, presumably talking about your conversation with Alexandros yep. Marinos, which we forgot to mention. Ah. <laughs> Yep. Look at me like that. No, I'm looking at me like that. But you're, I'm reflected in your glasses. I see. So. I see. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're feeling shiny these days. They're reflective. They are reflective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're... Anyway. Uh, regarding the AI podcast, mm. many people predicted language models. Uh, it was the default view. Turing, Eliza, even Wittgenstein, B. Russell. Is that Bertrand? Some other Russell. Why no mention? I haven't listened to your conversation yet. Well, I would have to go back into that history. I have not looked deeply into it, but predicting language models, I wouldn't... Uh, I want to know what exactly that means, right? Because the question, you know, Turing, for example, the test, right, is language-based, which tells you whether or not, in Turing's thinking, this thing has the capacity to think, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not... The question is is that the mechanism to get to thinking, which I believe for human developmental reasons, frankly. Um, but anyway, mm -hmm, why no mention? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure we didn't mention almost everything. So uh, it, it was not specifically excluded other than 
because I'm at least not an expert and I don't know if Alex is. All right. Uh, I feel like we've seen this name before, but I still don't recognize it. Would love to hear you converse with Liv Bory, B-O-E-R-E, about race to the bottom game theory strategies all too common these days. who is this? Liv and I. Liv is uh, in Austin. Uh, we have been online mutual friends for a long time. I met her a few months back, maybe six months back. Um, I can't remember why I was in Austin, but for some reason. Um, but in any case, she and I have a memorandum of understanding level agreement that we are going to have a discussion, though nothing is on the calendar. So anyway. A discussion will happen. I don't know if it'll be on that topic or not. But yeah, memoranda of understandings are uh, famously under impressive, <laughs> and uh, not not for you in particular. Right, I'm right. just saying in, in general, oh, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, we got this MOU, and it's definitely got some words on it. It's definitely yeah. No, my Which, I'm thinking your kids. I doubt that's even true. <laughs> oh yeah, there ain't nothing written. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. No, my my point was just simply what where are you if i said oh yeah we're doing a podcast it's mm. like oh when is that well there's nothing on the calendar but we have agreed that it's a good idea so it will happen okay um but we haven't put it on the calendar yet anyway i will i will bump it up the priority list because i think it's a good idea hmm. um this one doesn't appear to be in english i don't know do you have glasses I'm going to try to read this, but it mostly uh, doesn't have spaces. So, Carba penem resistant pseudomonas. Pseudomonas I recognize as a a genus name. Carba penem resistant pseudomonas. Aerogynos ampersand CR enterobacterialis. Enterobacterialis, again, I think is a genus name. Uh, Colon, plasmid epidemics, question mark? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Well, I, I mean, don't know I, what that I mean, means. yes. Yeah, right, sure. Um, it seems to me a very, it seems to me um, somebody is advancing a hypothesis. The question mark would suggest a hypothesis, yes. And the colon uh, strategically placed near the end of the, uh, of the text stream uh, suggests that some thought I mean, I do, I do actually, I can find um, what I think are the word breaks in all of this, but it's okay. totally indecipherable. I'm well, sorry. You know, it's funny. If we've figured out <laughs> who the critters were. Well, so Pseudomonas is, here, I'll look, I can, I can look up some of this. Uh, Pseudomonas, I recognize, is, uh, is a genus of gram-negative bacteria. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is found commonly in the environment, like in soil and water, of the many different types of Pseudomonas. The one that most often causes infections in humans is Pseudomonas aeruginosa, which is the another word there, right? Um, which can cause infections in the blood, lungs, or other parts of the search. So that's, oh, I'm reading from the CDC because we trust the CDC now. Mm, why wouldn't we? Um, and then uh, Enterobacterialis, I think, is going to be like a, um, a an encompassing group. Um, but I can look. Enterobacterialis uh, is an order of gram-negative non-spore-forming facultatively anaerobic rod-shaped bacteria with the class uh, gamma proteobacteria. The type genus of this order is Enterobacter. Um, so, I, you know, oh, and then Carpabenum is a drug, Carpabenum-resistant Enterobacterialis. So yeah, it's all yeah, words. Yeah, keep going. Uh, which one? The what I was just no, reading. No, keep going with their. W- with the original. Yeah. With the, whatever, with the question. With, with their juxtaposition of these things. Okay, so it was carbibenum resistant pseudomonas. Carbibenum resistant pseudomonas. Yep. All one word, okay, but camel cased space. Aerogynos or aeruginosa, which is the specific epithet for pseudomonas that causes all of these human diseases. Ampersand. C, R, oh no, carpibenum resistant enterobacterialis colon plasmid epidemics. Question mark. We're going we're gonna to get this. Plasmid epidemics. Yeah, actually, I don't get what, I don't get the colon. I don't know what. Like, is that a result? Is plasmid epidemics a result of the deciphered? 
Well, I don't know. So here's what I here's the neighborhood I think we're in. Oh yeah, okay. Are we talking yeah. about bacterial conjugation passing a uh, antibiotic resistance between different lineages, causing an epidemic because the mechanism the, the bacterial resist- conjugation being um, plasmid transmitting, yeah. Um, so mm. the question here is a lineage level, right? Those two critters, and mind you, I would have to scrutinize that more to know this, but they seem distantly related. Yeah. So it wasn't the uh, in including group, right? Um, Pseudomonas, um, Enterobacterialis, Alice, are a large order of different types of germs. CDC, bacteria. That commonly cause infections in healthcare settings. Um, things in Terobacterialis include Escherichia, E. coli, and Klebsiella pneumoniae. Antibiotic resistance. So, I mean, it, it seems like a big group that who knows if it's even a good clade, right? Like it's a monophyletic group. I don't know to what degree the phylogeny has been done well, um, but that is known to in healthcare settings as a group that tends to um, end up being. Uh, the, 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 yeah, ends up evolving resistance for sure and also ends up having bad health outcomes for people. So I got a, a chunk of work that's been dormant forever about bacterial conjugation and its meaning. Um, what I would say is you could get to a place where you would have an adaptive story with bacterial conjugation between non-closely related taxa in which a plasmid transmitted um resistance information mm-hmm. if you had the basis for a mutualism i don't yes think, so any yes. and and there's no so if they're I, really distantly related it's much less likely eh, or you know not necessarily I mean, let's put it this way you know a uh a hummingbird and a i mean lichens like lichens are parts that very are very distant. Distant. yeah the point is right. mutualism there's no distance that's too great yeah. Um, so anyway, anything's possible here, and uh, um, you're hypothesizing something about an epidemic. I don't know these creatures well enough to know why you've identified these two and what you think is coming. But right. Um, but anyway, yes, something is possible. You know, a mutualism would take a long time to evolve unless it already exists for some reason, right? Which it might, like mixed foraging flocks. Mm-hmm. You know, where very different birds are yeah. hanging out together because they. Uh, get different things out of the aggregation. You know, they're eating different foods. Right. Or... Well, I mean, I mean, hospitals may provide that environment, right? True. Right. Like hospitals may be the selective environment. Yep. And these are rapidly evolving, so it doesn't have to go back that far. Right. Yeah. But anyway, don't understand your question really, but I hope we've done something useful with it and right. you're not tearing your hair out at the misinterpretation. Maybe you were proposing a band name, in which case oh, I think terrible. it sucks. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, do better. Exactly. Actually, even that's a better band name. Do better. Do. It's not a good band name, but mm-hmm. but it's better. How about do better? Is that better? <laughs> I'm not sure. No, okay. <laughs> Is sun exposure and fear mongering step one in convincing people to live underground? Um, no, but only because they haven't thought of it yet. Yeah, I don't know that. Yes. Zach thinks yes. Why not? I mean, metaphorically underground in that they will use Mm. the space underground if it becomes economical enough to do so, but convincing everyone to live inside with no sunlight ever, it's an economical version of underground. They're not going to spend an incredible amount of money to put us all actually underground when that's just costly. But living inside... I, know, I don't think this teaching is us that being different. inside is the best way to be. Yeah, uh, it's, it's already we're already living most of the way there. Inside, it's a fifteen second apartment. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It's living inside with screens as your connection to the world. I don't think this is meaningfully different than living underground, except that it's economically feasible. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, in the fifteen second apartment. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we took a long time on that first question. Let's get a, let's get a few more here though. Um, what let the AI horses out? Philosophy, GPU, software, publicity? 
game less, theory. Less than six months old question mark. I don't know what that last thing means. Um, it's game theory to let it out. But that's the that's the mechanism. Well, but like what system? Well, well maybe maybe I that's. I, don't, an I, don't, I think the answer is maybe that's an answer. All of the ones that weren't let out weren't let out. We're talking about the one that was. And so the point is there's a there's a, a okay, so back. it's game theory plus anthropic principle at some level. Yeah. AI anthropic. It's a collective action problem okay. that you could have spotted, you know, a million miles off. And in fact, it was spotted a million miles off. And lots of people were like, oh God, do you know what's coming? We better do something about that. And in fact, open AI was one of the things they tried to do. Mm. So I, irony of ironies. It was one of the solutions that caused this to happen. Mm -hmm. Love you guys. Brett, did you get a chance to look into Convention of States? I think the answer to that must be no, and I'm going to have to remind myself what we're talking about. But Convention of States. Convention of States action, national movement to call a convention under Article 5 of the United States Constitution, restricted to proposing amendments that will impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit its power and jurisdiction, and impose term limits on its officials and members of Congress. Hmm. Well, Why call an Article 5 convention simple to bring power back to the states and the people where it belongs? Yeah, I mean, this is, is one of a, a number of radical proposals. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if it doesn't um, do more harm than good, if it does not open a door we don't want to open. And mind you, I get the problem, you know. Yeah, there's so, there's so many. Um, there's so many people trying so many things, and that is great news. And the drawback of it is um, that you know on on this sort of topic where you like i mostly say like i don't not my thing so you're mostly getting it uh it's just too many things to assess and that's like that that's part of the problems like well this one might be but you know every one of them demands a deep dive and there's no time to do a deep dive on well i mean i have a more more specific critique here if of, I... of this particular one based on seeing it at this distance for that period of time, mm -hmm. um, which is, look, you've got malignant government, okay? Do you want to starve malignant government? Yes, absolutely. Um, is that a solution to the problem? No, because you need good governance. Are the states a solution to that problem? Well, now you've got a collective action problem between the states, which may be preferable to malignant federal government. In fact, it is preferable, but it's not a full solution. And so by opening up this mechanism, A, is it plausible that you will open this mechanism? I doubt it. B, if you do open this mechanism, will something uh, commandeer your process and cause something even worse to emerge? That's a possibility you need to consider. Um, but C, we need the overarching problem. We need the 2.0 thing. And this is not the 2.0 thing. This is stepping back from the 1.0 thing, which again, is well, it's, it's, it's using game A mechanisms to fix game A, as opposed to trying to launch game B. Not only is it using game A mechanisms, but it is basically a defederalizing program, right? Mm -hmm. Now here'd be my point. You do need to decentralize but you don't want to go to the defederalizing mode. You want to obsolete the federal mode with something that actually leverages the new technology to decentralize. And I mm, will just mm -hmm. say, if you're with me so far, then keep your eye on Dark Horse. There's something coming your way that I think you will find fascinating. All right. Leave it there then. The Who's Sixth Essential Medicine List, 1995, is the earliest list online and has ivermectin listed. But then same guy corrects 
and says ivermectin is in the 1989-1990 list, not 1995, the sixth list. So it would have already been on the Who's list at the point that um, this book was being recommended by the Who. Nice. Very good. And thank you for that information. Yeah. And excellent job finding the camera rather than just showing it to the bookshelf. <laughs> I feel like the bookshelf deserves to see books. I mean, I'm I sure mean, that does if, seem if, to be its interest. If otherwise, it's only getting to see the spines constantly. You know, oh, like right. see, I still can't do it. You know, this is what the bookshelf gets to see. So the Boring. bookshelf yeah. wants to see the covers of books. Exactly. You just don't care about bookshelves. Not as much as I might. <laughs> Okay, two more questions, then we'll stop. Is there a place I can find that list of COVID facts that you and others gave us that old media lied about or got wrong? Twitter would be easy, question mark. Um, I don't know. We have suggest we have said that would be a great list to make. I made a somewhat impromptu and not um, not attempting to be exhaustive at all list uh, on my Substack a while back. Uh, which I can find probably quickly and show once I find it. Oh, yeah, it's apparently we're the bad guys. So you can show my screen here, Zach, um, back end of February of this year. Um, and But this was, it's not exhaustive at all. And I was really just like going through like, well, what do we talk about? So like all of these bullet points, um, masks, lockdowns, physical distancing, um, keeping people inside, vitamin D, dark skin, obesity, you know, you know, on and on and on and on. Um, but it's not exhaustive. So I would but it love... But it is beautifully referenced and linked. It is, yeah. I, I, I link to, you know, very often we talked multiple times about these, but I did um, many times link to places that we had um, talked about it on Dark Horse or that you had talked with a guest or that I had written about in, in Natural Selections. Uh, but I wish there was something more, but that's, uh, that's, that's one thing that's, that was again, um, sorry, uh, in, on my sub stack, apparently we're the bad guys under the health and medicine tab. Okay. Final question. Do any other species on other continents move like kangaroos? And if not, why not? Final answer. Yes, there are a number of creatures. Oh, I got one right away. Kangaroo rat. Yeah. Yeah. The kangaroo rat. And um, you might argue that frogs are a little bit kangaroo-y. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would just kangaroo say... Kangaroo rat's North American. There are a lot of... So first of all, I would point out uh, four-legged critters like horses have a certain number of stereotypical gates that they discover, right? Mm -hmm. There are ways you can move these limbs that result in certain uh, effective modes of locomotion based on how fast you're moving. Mm -hmm. Likewise, there are certain orga <coughs> organizations of limbs that result in different kinds of locomotion. So, you, you know, the uh, what would unite frogs and... Uh, kangaroos would be called saltation and saltation also known as jumping jumping saltatory locomotion saltatory locomotion which would be so there let's just put it this way you've got a bunch of different parameters okay uh we yesterday on our uh suet feeder had a creeper which is a kind of bird i absolutely love they're not very dramatic but these are birds that literally hop up the sides of trees and it's just very enchanting to me that they can do this and sometimes up the side of suet right and uh your poison dart frogs Mine. do the same thing mm -hmm. right yep. somehow leaping up a vertical surface it's even kind of hard to figure out how exactly you do that without springing off into the world but <laughs> and sometimes they do spring off sometimes mm -hmm. but but there's apparently a way but anyway the point is look are you moving across horizontal ground vertical tree trunks two limbs, four limbs, are you doing what a rabbit does where you've got two power limbs and two auxiliary limbs? But they're definitely quadrupedal, unlike a kangaroo. Unlike a kangaroo. Right. Then you have things <clears throat> like a pangolin, right? Pangolins 
Uh, God, I don't even. How do they move? They're weird. Sometimes they're on four and they're kind of waddly, like a like a raccoon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're on two and they have this little like they're diabolically planning things kind of <laughs> mode of locomotion. <laughs> um, pangolins. Pangolins. Exactly. That's, they're African. Uh, African and Asian. There are there are a number of different species. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So here's um, here's just an image from Wikipedia. Yeah, this Pangolins. one does not have a good version of the walking along. No, and I, I kind of love the um, blue legs in the background for scale. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's... You got a better okay, one? Yeah. yeah. Show the better one. So far, it's great. <laughs> oh, it's, mm. That's good, but I've, pretty, I've pretty, seen many where they're on to... They're not brainy, are they? No. That's a really small head. It is. It's, it's a really, head. really small head. It's, oh, yeah. That's, ah, that's closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they're like, their tails must be heavy. They're like, I mean, he's like way cantilevered out and he's not tipping over. I feel like I didn't know this animal existed. Yeah, I've yeah. Ne- neither, we've never seen... Oh, did you see him when you were in Africa? Yeah, yeah no, we've never seen him in a while. It's on my bucket list. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's amazing. Actually, the oh my god, their heads are so small. Yeah, they're really. It's a really interesting animal. Yeah. I mean, as I, I've told the story before, but, but my, they don't move like kangaroos. No, they don't. They don't. But my point <laughs> just, is, just to get back to the question. My point <laughs> is, how bipedal are you? Is a question, mm-hmm. right? A rabbit is somewhere in this, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's quadrupedal, but it's got two powerful legs that spring it forward, and the other right. two legs are playing an auxiliary role. But then you that's also have... Picture. Um, oh, wow. That's, oh, that's sweet. Negative points so for that tired. being in the zoo. But, I'm, so, um, I'm so tired. Um, uh, you know, birds are right, bipedal. Right, exactly. Birds are bipedal. You're like, wait, what? Are they? Oh, yeah. I guess so. Right, but they don't have, like, little ridiculous arms like kangaroos. They've got, oh, that's their power. That's their power stuff, right? Yeah, although their in, wings. in the flightless birds, it's either reduced or turned into flippers. Mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of things happen. But anyway, yeah. my point is, look, you've got a bunch of... Why the kangaroo wallaby mode is not much more common than it is. A, the kangaroo rat, and I'm sure there are other examples, probably not very many, but there are kangaroo rat's a clear one Mm -hmm. in which that has been convergently evolved by another creature Mm -hmm. so it proves it's a mode there to be discovered it's not particular uh, to the the um, marsupials but um why is it not more common uh well there is um i mean lagomorphs which you mentioned you know rabbits hares pikas um are like kangaroos, <clears throat> like I think kangaroo rats, um, really do best by keeping their hind legs in sync, like you know by jumping as opposed to by walking. I don't think pikas do. Pikas no? are weird. Okay, so forget or pikas less for the weird, moment. They're more rodent-like. Um, <clears throat> and like like frogs also like really do best by jumping. The saltatory locomotion, as you say, and when you see. I've spent a lot more time watching frogs walk than I've spent up close watching any of these other organisms walk. Uh, but like when you see a frog walking, it looks weird and they clearly are not sort of in their best mode. And this is when like if you were a predator, not of my my frogs because they're poisonous, so just don't even go there. Um, but uh, like that's when you would pick them off because yeah. they're like awkwardly going like, well, how do I like this one and then that one? Like what even am I supposed to do? It's like if you told us, now you just got to hop everywhere all the time with your legs in sync with one another. It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to fall on my face a certain amount, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to forget and then try to do the other thing. And then, you know, I don't know what happens. I'm struck down by God or something. Um, How did God get into this conversation? Frogs. Oh, right. Frogs. Deity. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I knew you would understand. Yes. Um, so it's, it's, it's a tough way to move around because the fact is that a landscape um often isn't actually perfectly made for two feet to be exactly landing right next to each other yeah. and so the the saltatory locomotion is uh is is harder and so presumably requires a particular kind of thing although you know kangaroos aren't all that many places kangaroo rats aren't all that many places frogs are everywhere frogs aren't arctic um but they get everywhere on the other hand 
um, the one of the big cladid frogs is tree frogs, and so they're also climbing. And the hopping, they they have such a big leap, much larger than um, a kangaroo, I think, per you know per body length, um, that they can sort of get themselves out of whatever ridiculous terrain they're in more quickly. I don't know. Yeah. Um, my instinct says that there's something, A, a lot of the trick with a macropod, a kangaroo, is the balance of the tail, right? So it That's true. requires this big meaty tail, mm-hmm. which, you know, you see that in Tyrannosaurus too, um, the big balancing tail. And the pangolins look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is... Whereas not with the kangaroo rats. Right. Well, the, so the, there's an allometry issue here, yes. which is doing this at the scale of a kangaroo rat is much easier than doing it at the scale of a kangaroo. And there aren't any giant frogs either. That is true too. Mm-hmm. Um, and never were. I mean, there are some kind of sizable frogs, but the big amphibians were manders, salamanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still a few of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the the trick with the macropods, the kangaroos and the wallabies is that a lot of the energy is stored in an elastic form from mm. one <laughs> thing the Achilles. The... Right. right. And so yeah. my guess is that's not all that easy to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, design wise, that there are a lot of ways that yeah. you can, you know, break yourself with a particularly bad leap. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, you've got a clade that figured it out. Maybe it solved, maybe it innovated its way through that problem in some way that if we asked a physiologist who specialized on them, they could maybe tell us, but, that you need an innovation to solve a problem before this becomes a mode that evolution can explore, would be my guess. And it's very different in a kangaroo rat, mm. which is so small that that problem is much easier to solve. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. I think that is it. We will be back next week. That is true. Uh, with another right live stream. on Rumble. On Rumble. Yep. Our live stream uh, chat will be live on Rumble, uh, both in the live stream and the Q and A. And the Q and A will only be on Rumble, so come join us. And if you're watching this later, what? Did you mean to say that next week we're doing Q and A? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I th- so we're gonna we're gonna start cutting the Q and A back to every other week. But um, since we're just newly on Rumble now, we're gonna do the Q and A every week, and we're gonna actually open up the questions um, so you can ask questions early, right, Zach? Um, when? Okay, so we're gonna have the questions, um, the submission portal on darkhorsesubmissions.com open shortly, so they'll be open all week if you have questions that you wanna ask, and then we will get to as many of them as we can next week, June 10th it'll be. Um, solidly rushing towards summer. Uh, I hope that most of you watching are having the same kind of glorious weather that we're having, and it is making you wanna go outside as much as I wanna go outside now, and I'm about to. I'm about to. I'm going to write the show notes outside. That doesn't surprise you at all. Not in the slightest. Nope. And uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, I'm eager to get to the sun, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, So um, please subscribe to the channel on Rumble and uh, find us any number of these other places. Uh, Check out the conversation that Brett had with Alexandros Marinos on Dark Horse. Check out Natural Selections. Uh, Consider subscribing to Brett's Twitter, where he's got some cool stuff going on behind the scenes. We will see you next week, and until then, be good to the ones you love, eat good food, and get outside. Be well, everyone.